following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. It's funny, I uh, woke up with that song, Gloria, stuck in my head this morning before I knew we were going to sing that. Praise the Lord. Um, another, am I on? Another um, a prayer request. Uh, Andrew injured himself at the ball game on Friday, um, swinging the bat. So uh, pray for a healing for him with a pulled muscle um, so he can get back to the game. Um, and also uh, uh, prayers for me as uh, I've taken on, uh, Caroline and I have taken on coaching a 10U softball team uh, again, because we're, you know, insane. So uh, it's 10 and under. So like Eva, Eva and uh, Annabelle's team. So, yep. So, yeah, prayers for us. <laughs> so uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 uh, and verse 22. And that's page 857 in the Pew Bibles. Um, and there are a number of songs uh, sung in these first two chapters of Luke's gospel, um, songs sung by angels, by Mary, by Zechariah, uh, and now we have the last song sung around the time of Jesus' birth and infancy, and that's the song sung by Simeon. And there are some things to talk about. Uh, before we get into the song, lots of Old Testament stuff. So uh, let's take a look at the text and we'll jump right in. Luke 2, starting at verse 22. And when the came, time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would speak. 
that the word would come alive to us, that you would show us our sin, show us ourselves, and show us our Savior. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so you may remember from our last time together in the book of Luke uh, a couple of weeks ago that we considered um, Jesus' uh, circumcision and naming on, the, on his eighth day and how significant that was. Um, circumcision was a Jewish ritual that identified baby boys as members of the nation of Israel as well as it symbolized the putting off of sin. And as a member of the nation of Israel, uh, of the tribe of Judah, it was, it was natural that Mary and Joseph would subject Jesus to this ritual. Well, now we have to fast forward exactly 33 days um, to what is now Jesus' 40th day uh, in the flesh. And that's where Mary and Joseph take him to the temple in Jerusalem for the very first time. And... Uh, we we know the specifics of how many days this was because it was written in the law. This is what you are to do. Um, on day eight, circumcise baby boys. On day 40, you take them to the temple um, to uh, be cleansed um, from the whole birthing thing. Um, stuff, right? So... <laughs> They're doing, this, they're doing this to be obedient to the law of Moses uh, from Exodus 13, uh, 1 and 2, and Leviticus 12, 1 and 8, uh, 1 through 8. Exodus 13, 1 and 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. All right, so this is why um, Luke quotes this. Um, because Jesus was the firstborn in their family, um, and so he was to be set aside or consecrated to the Lord. Um, there's a significant reason for this command. It's not arbitrary. God didn't just make this up just because he wanted more rules for his people to follow. God commanded that all of the firstborn of Israel, people and animals, to be set aside for him, as consecrated and holy to him in remembrance of the 10th plague in Egypt. Now, if you, if you remember from your flannel graph lessons uh, in Sunday school, the final plague, the 10th plague in Israel, was when the angel of death visited Egypt and killed all of the firstborn of people and animals and he passed over the houses of the people of Israel because they painted the doorposts with the blood of the lamb. Okay. You can read about that if you want um, in Exodus chapter 12. God doesn't do anything arbitrarily. And remembering is part of the program for us. As far as obedience to the law for purification, that comes from Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. That says, And when the days of her purifying are completed, 
whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring him to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, which is the temple, bring a, a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And, she, and he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So there's some interesting things uh, here that we can see. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is that the fact that Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves or two pigeons uh, was proof of their poverty. Uh, They're not well-to-do people. They couldn't afford a lamb. Um, so they, they had to get two turtle doves. There weren't any partridges for, or pear trees, but they did find two turtle doves. Sorry. It was hard to resist, honestly. Mm. We've been stuck in Christmas for a while. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, uh, so, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is part of the program, that Jesus would be brought up humble and live and be born in humble conditions. Paul also wrote in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is all working together, right? But we have to consider why is this important? Why does it matter that Joseph and Mary would make sure that Jesus got circumcised according to the law, that they would present him to the temple on the 40th day according to the law, that Mary would go through the rites of purification according to the law? Why does that even matter? Isn't that just religious rules? Well, no. I think the principle is actually quite simple, but powerful. They didn't worship God according to their own imagination, but according to God's instructions. They knew God's word, they trusted God's word, and they obeyed God's word. If you don't think there's a lesson for us in that, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So that's what got them to the temple in Jerusalem. Obedience. There's a lot of other interesting things in there. The fact that Joseph was there, he didn't have to go. He didn't need to be purified. But he went. I think it's because he's a good dad. Um, anyway, um, they got to the temple in Jerusalem because they were obedient to the, to the word of the Lord. But then along comes Simeon. Now, this is a... Um, this is, I love this. Obedience 
um, got Simeon to the temple as well, as did Hope. Hope got Simeon to the temple that day. Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, I mean, God has made a lot of promises, but that one's pretty cool. That he would not see death until he's seen the Lord's Christ. I, I want to wake up to that. It doesn't. Some people think that means that Simeon was super old. Um, that he was he was unnaturally kept alive a long time because God had made this promise. So I've read all the scripture that has to do with Simeon already. There's nothing in there that says he was super old. It's just that God had promised that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. If it helps your imagination to think of him as a super old man, okay. Uh, but it doesn't really make any difference. Simeon is a unique character. Well, he wasn't actually that unique at all, but he had a very unique experience. And Simeon sort of represents um, the Old Testament faithful, right? The, this program that was initiated with the birth of Christ in Bethlehem had already been predicted. God said this is how it's going to happen, right? And so we have this, uh, the the kind of the end of the Old Covenant, right? The Old Testament, the Testament covenant, the same thing, right? So Simeon is kind of representing the end of the Old Testament and representing the Old Testament faithful. Verse 25 says that Simeon was righteous and devout. This is an interesting expression that we shouldn't ignore. This is actually a reference to the two tables of the law. Um, do you remember from last week I mentioned the Ten Commandments, right? So usually when I say the law, that's what I mean, unless I say the ceremonial law, which is the entire book of Leviticus, which is a great time. Um, the, the Ten Commandments have two tables, two sections to them. Um, and it, 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 it breaks down quite neatly. The first four commandments uh, have to do with man's relation to God, mankind's relation to God, right? That's the first table of the law. Having no other gods, not making any idols, not taking the Lord's name in vain, keeping the Sabbath holy, that's the first table of the law. And it has to do with our relationship with God. And the second table of the law, commandments 6 through 10, all have to do with our relationship with other people, with man's relationship with his neighbor, honoring your mother and father, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not lying, not coveting your neighbor's possessions. It all has to do with how we relate to our neighbors. So when Luke says that Simeon was righteous and devout, it means that generally Simeon kept the commandments. Now, we all know that it's impossible to perfectly keep the commandments unless you're Jesus because nobody's been able to do it before him. And nobody since. But this is a general expression that this is how Simeon was thought of, right? Um, 
It was impossible for anyone to keep the whole law, but he did pretty well as far as other people were concerned. And Luke also says that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, We understand this to mean that he's waiting for the coming of Messiah. Um, It literally means uh, that he was waiting for Israel's prayers to be answered. Right? The consolation of Israel, the word consolation is, is prayer. He's waiting for the prayers of Israel to be answered. And Jesus is the answer to their prayers. They're waiting for Messiah. Simeon is waiting for Messiah. J.P. Lang wrote that Simeon is in the noblest sense the eternal Jew of the Old Covenant who cannot die before he has seen the promised Messiah. He was permitted to fall asleep in the peace of his Lord before his crucifixion. Simeon spent his days in hope, patiently and confidently looking forward to Messiah's coming. And this is that day. Verse 26 says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The salvation that God has promised in the presence of all people all people. See, Messiah was not to be Messiah to the Jews only, but for everybody. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. That's a beautiful picture of the people living in deep darkness. On them, light has shone. That's Isaiah 9-2. We can read it even when it isn't Christmas. It is that salvation that Jesus brings that is the light. The veil of ignorance has been lifted, and the light of the grace of God in Christ has illumined our hearts. And that salvation is also for the glory or for the splendor of Israel. We, like, I think that it's... It's tough for us now to consider the importance, the significance of Israel still. God is not done with Israel. It's not Jesus came and now we don't care about uh, the children of Abraham anymore. We don't, we don't care about the Jewish race. It doesn't matter. No, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Messiah came to bring splendor, to be the glory of Israel. Now, unfortunately, too many within the nation of Israel have denied Jesus as Messiah. 
But Messiah was promised to Israel. He was born to Israel. Messiah died for Israel. Messiah was raised again for Israel. But they, like the Gentiles, like us, have to turn to Jesus in faith. Far too many have been taught that Jesus is not Messiah. Would that Israel would listen to the gospel and come to faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins along with ours and accept the glory that is theirs through faith in him. Now, just imagine you've walked into the temple to have your, uh, your, your new baby um, blessed and to pay your, um, bring your sacrifice and some guy comes and grabs him and starts blessing the Lord. I, I think everything was already a little odd for Mary and Joseph, so I, I don't know that they were really surprised by this, but um, certainly things had not gone according to their own plans so far. Uh, so here, here they are in the temple, and Simeon grabs the baby and blesses the Lord and blesses them with this song. And by the Spirit, Simeon could see what would come for this baby that he held in his arms. Verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In my research and study this week, when Simeon says a sword will pierce your own soul also. All right, picture a sword in your mind right now. How big is it? Yeah? Okay, so what Simeon says for sword is a word equivalent to Goliath's sword. Ten feet, ten feet tall Goliath, right? I am now a midget. Goliath's sword. Something like that would pierce Mary's soul. Jesus was and still is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. They fall by rejecting him. And they rise through faith in him. Matthew 21, 42 through 44 records Jesus saying, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. If you're reading along with me in Psalms, five Psalms a day, if you've done that this morning, you read that already. Psalm 118, 22. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Uh, 
I have dear loved ones within the nation of Israel. And I pray that they would rise through faith in Christ. Both Peter and Paul called Jesus a rock of stumbling and a stone of offense. But he is only that to those who choose to reject him. It's them that fall. But as Jesus said, he will give the kingdom. He will give the kingdom of God to those who produce its fruit. Those who have faith in him. It's those that will rise. The fall and rise of many on account of Christ means that there is no lasting neutrality. There's there's only two places that you can be. You can be in the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus or not. There are far too many people in the world that are on the fence or don't care. But the day is going to come where everyone is going to have to answer, what did you do with Jesus? There is no lasting neutrality. Every person is going to have to decide to accept him as he is and all the ramifications that go with that or reject him and all the ramifications that come with that. There is salvation or there is destruction. There is no middle ground. Simeon warned Mary of the heartache that was to come for her, the Goliath-sized sword, the sympathizing motherly anguish during the rejection, the suffering, and the crucifixion of her son. Mary was there the whole time. This is the last we hear of Joseph. But Mary was there for it all. She was there when Jesus was beaten. She was there when Jesus was crucified. He had words concerning her from the cross, telling the Apostle John to take her into his home as his own mother. A Goliath sized sword pierced her soul so what can we learn from Simeon Simeon was righteous and devout righteous is just being a good guy in the eyes of men following the second table of the law devout being devoted to the Lord following the first table of the law he was righteous and devout I think we can learn something from that We can also learn to hope in God's word and trust in his promises. What he has said is accurate and true. And also, we can hope in God's salvation by trusting in his son. John Calvin wrote, If Simeon, when holding a little child in his arms, could stretch his mind to the uttermost boundaries of the world 
and acknowledge the power of Christ to be everywhere present, how much more magnificent ought our conceptions regarding him to be now that he has been set up as a standard to the people and revealed himself to the whole world? Simeon just kind of saw the picture of a story kind of cloudy, like uh, the scripture says, looking in a glass darkly, right? Kind of seeing through a, a dirty mirror. But we have the whole story written right out for us. How much more magnificent ought our conceptions regarding Jesus to be? How much more should we trust him? How much more should we glory in his name now? We know the story. And the wonderful part, we can share the same hope that Simeon had of the coming of Messiah. Simeon was waiting in hope for the first coming of Messiah. And as he patiently hoped for Messiah's first coming, so too must we, his church, patiently hope for his second coming. Because he is coming back to gather his church to himself and to establish his kingdom on earth. To bring a new heaven and a new earth for us to live in with him for eternity. Amen? That's worth looking forward to, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servants. We can read of their faithfulness and your, and your work in and through them. Lord, I pray that you would bring the same hope to us that Simeon had. Looking forward to the coming of Messiah. I pray that we too, like Simeon, would be righteous and devout, not because we're perfect, just doing our best to love you and follow your word. Father, the coming of Messiah is so significant, and yet so many in our day don't know, don't care. I pray, Father, that you would use us, your people, to show the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. Not just to come to church, join the club, follow the rules, but to know forgiveness and salvation, connection with our Father, adoption into his family. May our friends and neighbors know the wonderful blessing of being called your child through faith in Jesus Christ. Use us, Lord, we pray, to spread that hope, to spread that love. For we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.